Well, good day to you, and welcome to the 3 and D podcast. Uh, my name is Sean Coleman, and uh, as always, joined by uh, co-host uh, Justin Lewis. Uh, Justin, how are you today? Doing good, doing good. Glad to hear it. <clears throat> well, uh, we're joining you today. It's uh, it's Thursday, and uh, uh, you know, Justin, uh, me and you had a we've been talking throughout the week. I uh, I had the uh, uh, ability to uh, last week's guest Parker Fleming. I had the uh, pleasure of meeting him last night. I uh, mean, Parkler uh, got to uh, cross past the Tennessee Ole Miss game, and uh, uh, it was a good game. Glad Tennessee won, but it was a close game, and and Ole Miss uh, um, uh, played well. Now, do you? I don't know where your fandom lies, uh, college basketball wise, but do you keep up with the Ole Miss and Memphis being from the area? I am a diehard Ole Miss basketball fan, just like I am football and baseball, and I do not keep up with the Memphis Tigers. My apologies. I did not realize at all that you didn't keep up with Memphis. Like I say, me and Justin have gotten to know each other through our time with the blog. Um, but, but well, then overall, you know then that um, you know Kermit, uh, I believe it's Washington, not not Washington. Uh, what's the head coach's name at Ole Miss now? Kermit Davis. Kermit Davis. Yeah, he came from MTSU. Um, he's doing some good things, and and that team hit a lot of outside shots. But uh, uh, overall, it was a day impressed me based off the, the, their ability to, to hit outside shots. And um, I like the atmosphere as well. My, my guess is you've been to their new basketball stadium several times. It's a nice place to, to go and watch a game. It is a very, very nice place. Well, as everyone knows, uh, while college basketball may be something we focus on, uh, you know, over the next month or so as, as we wind down the season, uh, our focus here is the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, uh, we now are um, have gotten, a, you know, couple of steps in the you know the new direction of the team uh, we, we've got seven games um eight technically but seven games with the new roster in place and we're starting to see some trends starting to see an understanding of what our identity may be with this new team for the rest of the season and and Justin the first thing we want to start with I mean obviously the overall results are that we're two and six but you have made the point a few times about this new team the direction the Grizzlies went at the trade deadline was they were looking to be able to shore up historical weaknesses with the new pieces they acquired. It seems like that's, that's, a, that's a great analytical point about this team now. Could you elaborate a bit on that based off what you've seen with the new guys playing together? Yeah, so um, what I've noticed is now obviously these guys that we brought in you know, they may not be here long term. Um, Avery Bradley's got one year remaining, um, and, and CJ Miles and and Jonas Valanciunas may not be here next year. Delon Wright's restricted free agent, so like these guys may not be long term fixes for our team. But what it seems like we get to see as fans, and I don't know if this is intentional or not by the front office, but for the the last part of this season, we get to see a team that is no longer weak in the areas that we have always been weak in. Um, and that is three-point shooting. Uh, the, the perimeter guard play outside of Mike Conley has, has really been weak because um, when we had Rudy Gay or we had Jeff Green, they were, they were very inconsistent with their shots. Um, rebound has always been a weakness, although when we had Zach Randolph, he was not personally weak in, in, in rebounding, but our center position – uh, also known as Marc Gasol, 
has always lacked uh, in the rebounding department. So now you bring in Jonas Valanciunas, who's a walking 2010 guy right now, who's doing everything that we begged Martin Gasol to do every year uh, to be more aggressive on the block. Jonas is going in there and just bullying people. He doesn't care who they are, what size they are. Um, he is putting a shoulder in the chest. He's getting to the basket, and he is, um, if I'm not mistaken, he is the highest percentage hook shot shooter in the entire league. So we've got the inside play when you've got Jaron Jackson, although he's injured, that can play and stretch the floor at the four. And then you've got Avery Bradley, who has just been a revelation since coming over from the Clippers. It's like, I guess he hated L.A. We, we are getting more of a Detroit Avery Bradley, which is good Avery Bradley. Um, C.J. Miles, man, I love it. He catches the ball. He's not thinking about anything else, but he's jacking that shot up, and, and he can shoot. Uh, people do forget that in his early years of his career, he was a high flyer, but now he's kind of stayed in the league by his uh, three-point shooting. And then uh, although Bruno's been inconsistent, he uh, he's not afraid to shoot the outside shot. So w- with these new additions coming in, we, we see uh, a, a team that has a backup point guard, which has always been a weakness, uh, and, and guys that can create uh, their shot, their own shot in Avery Bradley, and perimeter shooting with Bradley and C.J. Miles and, and the rebounding in Valanciunas. And it is um, – it's a sneak peek of what a, a complete team is supposed to look like. Um, and you just hope that this is the direction the team's going in uh, going forward. I 100% agree with you as far as the direction of the team. Um, that, that, that this, this was an encouraging sign. You know, let, let, let's set aside the fact that, yes, it would have been nice to have been able to get some more future assets. I get that. But at the end of the day, this team made a decision. They were decisive about it. They identified that they wanted to convey the pick. They knew that the weakness of this roster was offense, so they went out and they got offensive players. That was, that, that, that was a competent move. It was a common-sense move, and, and, and it just it, it really helped out. Um, you know, the ideas that J.B. Bickerstaff had. You know, they recently asked, well, what's the identity of this new roster? J.B. Bickerstaff said, well, when it comes down to it, you know, we're still, we're still working that out. We do want to pick up the pace of play, and we really want to make it to where our team um, it, it is just, it seems like there's more depth on offense. Have you gotten that feeling watching them play, Justin? Yeah, I, I do. Like, we, we're probably, when everybody's healthy, in deep, and that's something that the Grizzlies never really have been. Um, but what you said about conveying the pick, um, here, here's what's happened. The roster's changed, and we've gotten probably better as a team, but we're we're probably not going to convey, and there's one common factor. It's, it's the coaching staff. Uh, so if, if they want to convey, it may be time to uh, make a change at the, the head coaching position. I'll go on record as saying it right now. Um, the team has stated that they want to convey. Uh, if Jaron Jackson Jr. and Kyle Anderson were healthy, which I'll get into a little bit more in detail a little bit later on, um, I could see this being a team. You know, if they were healthy, I could see this being a team that could easily have a winning record this last 23 games. But they're not. And so I'll go on record as of saying right now, I feel more confident this team will land Zion than they will convey. And what I mean by that is I don't think we have any chance of landing Zion 
So that's how I feel about us conveying. I think at the best we can get a 10% chance of landing him. So that's not saying that I'm on the let's promote getting Zion bandwagon. That just means that I've fallen off the convey bandwagon. So I agree with you completely. Um, So just wanted to kind of get a little bit of statistical um, uh, depth uh, here to show, like, how this roster looks compared to what we had. And kind of like J.B. Bickerstaff was talking about, you know, we were looking to pick up the pace of play. We were looking to get a little bit better on offense. You know, before we made these trades up until that point, Grizzlies were 30th in the league in pace of play, which at 96 plays, um, uh, I, I believe it's, I believe they based off 100 possessions, maybe game. I can't remember what the basis was. But anywho, we were 30th in the league. And we had an offensive rating, basically, which means that per 100 possessions, how many points do we score? We would score 104 points per 100 offensive possessions. That was 29th in the league. Well, with this team, the new roster in place in the seven games that they have played, we are now at an offensive uh, pace of 98.7%, which that's three extra pre- offensive possessions a game. That does make a difference. But our offensive rating has gone from one mo- 104.3, Justin, to 108. And so that's a significant difference. And so we're becoming more guard-oriented, but we are starting to make more shots, better ball movement, our assists are up, our turnovers are down. So it looks like on the offensive side of the ball, we are starting to get better. The problem is, is these moves were made with the idea in place of Jaron Jackson and Kyle Anderson being healthy. So on the defensive side of the ball, they can hide the defensive claws of some of these new players. They're not healthy. So we're basically in a position where we're playing ball. We're basically in a, a track meet. And for the Grizzlies, me and you both know, that doesn't add up to a lot of wins. Yeah, that um, I, I get it that they they were hoping that Jaron and, and Kyle would would be healthy, um, but I mean you get the guys. I mean Avery Bradley is is a great perimeter defender. Um, I mean you put little Avery Bradley up against LeBron James, and, and he held his own uh, for a little while. But yeah, if if we're if we're without these two guys that are studs on defense, uh, one hundred eight in today's NBA still isn't enough to win enough games to, to meet the goal that we have in mind. And you're completely, you're completely right on that. If the Grizzlies would have been at 108 for the entire season, uh, they would have sat there and, and been in 23rd, 22nd overall in the NBA. So it's not like it's making a significant difference. And, and the other problem is, is that, you know, on the, on this end, Avery Bradley, you know, this is where you kind of have to, take these statistical approaches with context versus what you see in the game. Avery Bradley did well against LeBron James. Avery Bradley is a very able defender. Um, But overall, the defense has gotten worse to the point that, yeah, while this new roster is scoring 108 points for 100 offensive positions, it still has given up 109 points, um, you know, every game. Or, excuse me, over the same time frame in terms of 100 possessions. So you're giving up more points than you're scoring, which still doesn't add up. But at the end of the day, where we stand with this roster is that it just seems like that the narrative that's going to be there for a lot of games over the next few weeks is going to be the Grizzlies are competitive. We've seen it against the Clippers. We saw it against the Bulls last night. You know, we should have beat the Cavaliers, but we saw it against the Lakers, saw it against the Spurs. We can compete, but at the end of the game, it just seems like the narrative is going to be they did their best to stay in it for 46 minutes, but at the end, talent took over. And that's what caught, and that's what made them lose. It just seems like that that that's just going to be an obstacle that's going to be hard to overcome for the rest of the season, Justin. 
Yeah. The thing about the defense right now with this new roster is the the one of the things that people don't understand about coaching defense and playing defense at a high level is, is communication and being familiar with your teammates. And because this is a almost a brand new roster from the beginning of the year, uh, the communication is still filling its way out. So I, I would expect to see that our defensive rating uh, would would improve. Uh, as the season goes on, as as Jonas learns to to captain the backside of the defense, and um, these guys get more familiar with each other, but going forward, uh, the fourth quarter, it's like we are we're still stuck in relying on Mike Conley to be this killer uh, that he can be at times, but he he's got to have offensive help, and uh, a Bradley's been that a little bit. But outside of that, uh, we don't really have anybody that we can rely on. And it, it seems like every team that we play has that guy that you just dread to see in the fourth quarter because you know he's about to put it to you. And that goes back to your point about the coaching staff changes. It makes perfect sense. If we were this decisive on wanting to turn over the roster to get a direction in place, to really put in a an idea, to create a new identity on the fly, why didn't we do the same thing with the coaching staff that can make the most of that? And like you said, the one, unfortunately, um, you know, common factor with team that when we were, you know, losing, it seemed like almost every night was the coaching staff. And I think what it comes down to is, is that I was talking on the radio with, uh, with Peter Edmondson. I, I had called in to talk with him on his radio show in the morning. And me and him were talking. And the thing about it is his team kind of reminds you of the 15-16 Grizzlies, the one where we set the record for the most players that played in a game for a team in one single season, we made the playoffs. And, and Dave Yeager was a legitimate uh, coach of the year candidate. But they lost 17 out of 20 ending that season. But it was a fun roster. And, and and I know there's not a lot of fun that's happening, but like the Lakers win the other night, like Joe Kim Noah stepping up, it just seems like that this is a, a roster full of players who overall are probably getting some of the best run of their careers or their players who you think were going to be out of the league that are still – you know, having a relevant value. Um, while we're probably going to lose a whole bunch of games, there's still positive value to find there. And I mentioned Noah because he certainly has stepped up, and he's the type of guy used to be a defensive year, defensive player of the year candidate every year. If he can step up and he can help with communication, I think his extended playing time, he's kind of a glue guy that can help out with that team communication, don't you think, Justin? Yeah, Noah absolutely could be a, a glue guy for the defense. Um, and it, and it just I'm afraid that he's earning himself a contract right now that we're not going to pay or be able to pay. And he, he's a guy that, as a Memphis fan, you want on your team. The energy that he brings, the defense that he plays. Uh, I mean, he, he screams Memphis. Uh, but he, he will be vital uh, for this team going forward in their, in their goal to convey for sure. And when you say he screamed Memphis, that's the thing that makes it so awesome about Noah. If nobody else is going to scream to you that he's Memphis made, he's going to scream it several times over. That's his personality. Yeah. And, and, and so that's that's the thing about it is that, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't want to really, you know, commit um, $25 million to Noah and Valanciunas next year. I mean, if I had my pick, I would pick Valanciunas in a heartbeat. But, yes, Memphis is the type of city, the type of team – that they need that personality guy. They need that, you know, we see why, you know, again, I, I stand by my assessment of Tony Allen. Tony Allen probably in no other city and no other team would have had as big of an impact, as big of an influence as he did in Memphis 
because he, the way he played and the personality that he had. This Memphis roster, they constantly need that type of player, you know, like a Chris Anderson, a Lance Stevenson, something like that. Um, but, but it's been great seeing Noah play. Um, but the thing is, is that the Grizzlies are, are making some competent um, decisions with their roster, in my opinion. Uh, the minutes that they're given players, the fact that they did feature Noah when he needed to be featured with Rab being hurt, Jackson being hurt, but, you know, I, I wrote a piece for Gridley Bear Blues talking about, you know, Justin Holiday, and, and I put some numbers in there just to show, you know, that the Grizzlies are doing really well. Uh, or, excuse me, when Justin Holiday is starting and he's playing 30 minutes, that's him adding the most value that he can to the team. Yeah, it may not be making that big of an overall impact, but just with their usage of Noah, the position that they're putting um, uh, Justin Holiday in, the minutes that they're given, you're seeing Wright, you're seeing Conley, you're seeing uh, C.J. Miles. C.J. Miles getting about 15 minutes a game, but Wright, Holiday, Bradley, Conley, all in that 25 to 30 minute um, uh, usage minutes-wise each night. It seems like that they are trying to at least to develop more of a rotation. Now, whether or not it strategically makes sense, we're still going to find out in time. But do you see that, Justin? Do you see there more of an effort as far as making sure they manage rotations uh, more uh, like a, a per-game basis instead of just sticking in a routine that's not working? Yeah, you, you nailed it right there. At the beginning of the season, was we all jumped on JV about just sticking to a rotation because that's what he wanted to do. And I think really what, what happened was the front office took his toys away and he had to figure out, you know, what he's going to do with his new one. And he's in a he's in the process of learning who fits where. And uh, now that it's it's for sure a lost season, um, you might as well try out different things and see who can who can do what with who else on the floor and who can uh, who can deliver late in games. Because really, I, I believe that this is a tryout for some of these guys that we just got to see if we want to move forward with them uh, next season. So uh, yes, JB is is finally doing something right and and messing around with rotations and, and kind of getting in a groove with them. But here, here's the – this should tell you the state of the franchise. When Justin Holiday is starting and getting 30 minutes a game, you know that there's got to be some injuries or you're having a bad season. And that's the guy starting and getting 30 minutes for you. Yeah, the whole point the, – the, the, whole, the whole point of my point about Justin Holiday is it, it, it's one of those things – yeah, I'm trying to show that the Grizzlies – you hit the nail on the head. I'm trying to show – give a point. I'm trying to make a point of a positive. The Grizzlies have found a way to put a player in a better position to win. And while he does kind of help them play better on offense, you, it, you're exactly right. It's still Justin Holiday. It's still the Grizzlies. If you're having to use that as a way to show the po- a positive this late into the season – you know, th- that right there is more of a negative, I think, than a positive. It, it just, again, I stand by my point, that probably was the worst trade of the trade deadline because you arguably got the worst player of any of the players that you acquired outside of Tyler Dorsey, and you gave up two second-round picks to do it, two second-round picks that obviously could have value in building a future bench. And, you know, that's avenues to find players like a Dylan Brooks and a um, uh, Ivan Rapp. But uh, speaking of, you know, the draft picks that we've had, and, and speaking of our youth in general, um, Joe Molinax, uh, the site manager for Grizzly Bear Blues, he, he wrote an article that uh, talked about uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. And, and the recent annual article that 
um, the, that ESPN came out with, where they ranked the top 25 players under 25. And, you know, Justin, overall, they talked with three different players. I know that uh, I believe Bobby Marks uh, was, was one of them. Um, I may get him wrong, Sean Marks. I know that they talked to a few people. But Jaron Jackson Jr. was 16th on that list. I think that's a, that, that's a pretty um, respectable rating. I can see that. I, I think it shows just how special he could be and how awesome it is to have that type of talent in Memphis. But what were your thoughts in looking into that and kind of the rankings of other players compared to Jackson Jr. on that list? Yeah, I, I think it was fair. Um, obviously, when you get to the players that are right around him, there's, there's some argument to be made. Um, but I, I think it's exciting to know that the Grizzlies have somebody um, that's, that is young and that the league recognizes and national media recognizes as a, as a talented player. Um, and that it, it gives some hope for this for this franchise in the future, um, because for years it's been ride or die with Mark and Mike, and when it's over, it's over. And uh, if we're going to be in the playoffs, we're not going to get our early round pick, and uh, those those kind of things. So for Jaron to be named and recognized in that way, I think it's a it's a big deal for the city and a big big deal for the team. Um, and, and I think when you when you get that national recognition right there, and, and people recognize that Jaron's a good player, it it could help bring in other players. They may want to, you know, come alongside and they recognize a talent like Jaron, um, and it, it may help us build our team for the future. And, and, and agreed completely. And, and that's the one thing that I have constantly said this using about Jaron. I will back it up as much as I possibly can. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best natural talent that this franchise has ever drafted. I understand that they've drafted players that are higher. Obviously, they missed on them. I understand that both Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, um, or Mark Gasol's made all NBA teams. He's made all-star teams. I think Jaron Jackson Jr., that's his ceiling. But what it comes down to is this, is you hit the nail on the head. The Grizzlies probably just as much, it took, it was just as much luck as it was, you know, intelligence, you know, and, and strategy that got them the four players they did, Randolph Allen, um, uh, Conley, and Gasol, to have the run that we did. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is that type of player that gets that national recognition, that can have that national influence to bring in other players. Memphis has never been a destination for free agents. It has to deal with it being a small market. also has the fact to deal with that our front office just has not been competent you know, for nearly a decade, it seems. But I do agree with you. It's not just on the court. While it depends on how Jaron Jackson plays on the court, his influence off of it you know, makes a lot of sense. And the other thing about it is, is that when you look at the Grizzlies' young core as a whole, I think you can easily make the argument it likely is more towards the bottom of the league than it is the top. But still, I do think that with Jaron Jackson Jr., having that big makes a lot of sense. I mean – Going forward, Justin, I gave you and Parker some combinations of players last week to kind of see who you would take going forward. But in terms of this rookie class, going forward, where do you see Jaron Jackson ranking? And I'm talking about comparing to Luka Doncic, Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, and Marvin Bagley. How would you rate those five players in terms of who you would have, who would you would like to start an organization with going forward? Yeah, I think it's uh, without question. Lucas number one. Uh, that that kid, a, a transcendent talent, um, once in a lifetime talent. Everybody thought uh, that he just couldn't keep up in the NBA, and 
I don't think we've seen him close to his peak. Uh, so I, I take Luca number one, uh, and, I, and I would go with Jaron number two, and that's not me being a Memphis fan and being a homer. I think Jaron uh, just has so much of his game that he has yet to, to unlock. Uh, once he, cause think about the time he's missed on the floor this year from just being a foul trouble. Once he, once he learns how to defend without fouling and uh, he continues to get stronger and bigger, uh, and more athletic, because uh, I believe at 19 years old, he's probably still growing into his body. Uh, and so I, I think he is something that we we don't see. I, I don't think that the Jaren we see this year is going to be anything like the Jaren that we see in two to three years, and I think he's going to be a problem. So Jaren would be number two. Um, I would probably go with uh, Trey Young, number three. Uh, the dude's a special talent. I mean, he's been he's been turning it up here lately he is uh, forcing people to talk about him and he's, he's got a good running mate in John Collins uh, but his shooting ability his playmaking ability uh, are something you can't really teach uh, and so I, I go Trey number three and then I'd probably go Aiden number four just because he's more polished um, however I do feel like Aiden is close to being the player that he is going to be for the rest of his career so there's not a lot more uh, ceiling, you put it last week that he had the highest floor. And then I go Bagley, uh, five. I just, I've never been super impressed with Bagley. Yeah, he's, he's athletic. Um, but I think out of these five guys, um, he, he will be the fifth best out of this bunch. The only thing that I would differ, I, I would differ with you is this. I, I, I have said for a long time, would be in that ass fight, you know, when we talk and things like that, would I trade Jaron Jackson for Luca? You know, if I did that deal straight up, and, and, and I find it hard for me to be able to do that, but Luca's play, just his play, in his consistent play night in and night out, I, I would probably say I would put Jaron Jackson number one. It's hard to say that's not with bias. I'd easily put Luca number two and could probably be convinced to put Luca one. But I would put Jaron Jackson one just because of his inside presence and also with his defensive potential. He would be number one for me. I would put Luca number two. I would put DeAndre Ayton number three because of lack of variance, if that makes sense. Like you stated last week, I mentioned he has the highest floor, which he does. He probably also has the lowest ceiling. But because that floor is so high, he still could be an all-star talent. I would, and he plays inside. I would take that talent over Trey Young, who, yes, he's playing excellent, and his and his ability to pass often goes overlooked because everybody bases their value off of him with how he shoots. But I would put DeAndre Ayton number three, Trey Young number four, and then Marvin Bagley number five. I think Bagley could have a high ceiling, but I think in terms of actual fundamentals. He's always going to be more of an athlete than an actual fundamental type player, and I think that he would be number five. So um, Justin's rankings are Luca, Jaron, Trey, DeAndre, uh, Marvin. My rankings are Jaron, Luca, Aiton, Young, and uh, Bagley. So some agreeance there, a little bit of uh, differentiation on uh, on where players could be, but a big thing also that you mentioned was the difference between the Grizzlies and those other teams for players. On that top 25 list, all five of these players are ranked, that top 25 under 25. But the thing for the Hawks, the Mavs, the Kings, and um, the Suns, 
Each of those teams also have another player on the list. The Hawks have Collins and um, Young. Mavs have Porzingis and Doncic. Suns have Booker and Ayton. And the um, Kings have Fox and Bagley. So basically what that means is the Grizzlies don't have that second player like those other teams do. That means we likely have to find a young guard, it seems, to combo with Jaron Jackson. What are your thoughts on that, Justin? Yeah, I, I think we are in a serious situation where uh, we don't have uh, a young core um, that is young, young. I mean, obviously, you, you can consider Dylan and, and Kyle Anderson part of a young core, but Kyle and Dylan aren't. Uh, young per se as, as compared to these other guys that are being named. Uh, I, I do think that we've got to find uh, a guard for the future to pair uh, with Jaron. And uh, you, if you don't convey this year and you're, and you happen to have your draft pick, you hope that you, you find that in a Jared Culver or a RJ Barrett or John Morant, if you're able to snag one of those guys. And I think you're looking at um, a better one, two punch, on the 25 under 25 and these other teams. But right now, if we, if we don't move in that direction, uh, then our, our future is not as bright uh, with one player that that's this good as it would be if we could find somebody to pair with him. And I think at some point also you have to realize as a Grizzlies fan, and hopefully whoever is making the decisions by the time the draft comes in a few months, you've got to realize that, yes, while you want an identity – You've pit, you've made an investment in Kyle Anderson. You've obviously building the the um, uh, the foundation here around Jaron Jackson Jr. You want defense to be your anchor for that. I get that. That makes perfect sense, and it should be with Anderson and Jaron Jackson's skill set. But you don't want to limit yourself when it comes to identifying roster pieces to put around them. In other words, you don't want a guy with a limited ceiling who, yeah, he plays good to decent, decent to good defense. You don't want to take a guy who has a smaller ceiling or a limited ceiling compared to a, you know, an obviously you know, higher ceiling talent. So the reason I bring that up is because when these drafts do come up, like for instance, if we don't convey the pick, if an R.J. Barrett or a, um, a Jay Morant or, or John Morant or someone like that is there, and you've also got a DeAndre Hunter, you know, that's what it comes down to. I want the Grizzlies to take the player they think that has the highest ceiling not the one that fits their identity the best. Now, I'm not saying that automatically means you take Barrett over Hunter. I've watched some highlights, read some things from much more knowledgeable sources than myself that say that Hunter is one of those types of players who likely plays better outside of – or likely expands his game outside of Virginia's um, system once he gets in the NBA, and I can understand that. But I do think R.J. Barrett has a higher ceiling. So overall, I think that's what it comes down to. It's fine for the Grizzlies to want to build around defense, but you also have to sit there and really, really focus on, you've got to get this place talent. You've got to get cost-controlled talent, go for the ceiling. Um, When you look at Dylan, when you look at Rab, when you look at DeLone Wright, if we um, decide to invest in him, Justin, while the starting lineup is something that will figure itself out with Anderson and Jackson – I think the Grizzlies have done a pretty good job building a future bench, at least for the next year or so, and that should be a positive. Do you do you look at it that way? Yeah, if we if we keep uh, Dylan Wright, and I've I've heard that that CJ Miles is happy and 
Memphis and likes Memphis and may want to stay. Like I, I, I love him as a bench piece, and obviously we've got Bradley um, and Dylan Brooks as bench pieces. And if we do keep right, like it's just even if we don't keep right, Javon Carter works hard over the summer and improves off his offensive game a little bit. Um, I, I think I'd love to keep Noah as well if we could off the bench. Uh, I think for for once we've got a, a bench unit uh, that is something that you're not dreading uh, when when they come in the game. You're like, like Michelle and Mack would come in and like, oh, here we go. We don't really have that guy anymore when he hits the floor where we're just like, oh, uh, this is going to be bad. No, every guy that we put on the floor, we're we're expecting something from. Even, um, you know, Chandler Parsons is still going to be a bench piece next year. And uh, right now he looks like he can barely run, but maybe he gets new knees or something and, and he can contribute. Uh, yeah, you're right. The bench is, is looking uh, good for, uh, for once in, in Memphis. And that's the thing about it. I'm not going to sit here and say that this team – I will sit here and say that if we had Jaron, if we return this team next year or, or, or the, the main pieces of it, you know, a couple of smaller pieces aren't there. But if we return this team next year and if we don't comp- convey, I think it makes sense to stay competitive and be able to try to convey the pick next year. But if we keep this roster in place, we get a healthy Kyle Anderson back, a healthy Jaron back, see their games continue to develop. I honestly think with the offense that's in place and with an above-average defense, we could easily go 500 next year, and that is an encouraging sign. Um, it's still not something that's going to you know, get in the way of an overall rebuild, but that's the thing about it. Even if we don't convey this season, which I really want to, but it's just it doesn't seem likely, um, even if we don't convey this season, it is realistic to see that Bradley and Miles are happy here. I think Jonas likes it here. I don't know if that's going to make an overall impact on his decision to stay or not, but I do think that at the very least we have – I feel better about the trade deadline because we have put a roster in a place to eventually, if it doesn't happen this year, to convey the pick and and at least keep us in competitive for the short term um, to 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 get past losing Gasol and all those and you know the other players who, who Memphis fans have come to love. Um, you know these losses to, to Cleveland and, um, and and Chicago over the past couple of nights. So give Chicago credit; they are they are playing better than most had thought. I think these losses are, are, are definitely things that are getting in the way of us conveying. But, you know, just when you look at it, obviously picking up the defense, is there anything else that when you watch these games with the Grizzlies right now that you could just put your finger on, like a rotation change-up or less minutes for one player, more minute for another? Is there an instant change you feel that's there that could help us get a few upset wins like we had over the Lakers um, last Monday? Yeah, so I think uh, two things come to mind when you say that. One is there should never be a night where Justin Holiday takes more shots than Jonas Valanciunas. Um, if that's happening, uh, Justin Holiday better be reaching 30 points that night. Um, nobody has proven that they can slow down JV, uh, so they should feed him as much as possible, and, and Justin Holiday should not be jacking up more shots than him. The second thing I think that I'd like to see rotation-wise is, is more lineups with – DeLon Wright at the one, Conley at the two, and uh, Bradley at the three. Obviously, you know, that's a sm- very small lineup. And then you bring in T.J. Miles at the four, uh, and then you've got Jonas or Joakim Noah either one at the five. And you're running a real small ball lineup out there with, with three guys that can bring the ball to the court and handle the ball. 
Um, and he gets Conley off ball because he's one of our best catch and shoot shooters that we have. Let Wright, you know, facilitate the offense and drive and kick and do those things. So, so if you're driving and kicking, you've got uh, CJ and Bradley and Conley on the perimeter to knock down shots. I think if we saw more of those, those three guard lineups, uh, that would help us as well. And that's how you that's how you come combat the fact that you don't have as much length, you don't have as much athleticism. The one on one, you know, defense. You know, if you're playing up against the offensive player right in their face, the Grizzlies just don't have the ability to stop them man to man. So communication's got to get better, as we mentioned. But the other thing about having that specific lineup in the game that I agree with you about. Those are smart players as well. They're veteran players. And they're also players that can create turnovers. So if you can use active substitutions, maybe to put in a Bruno Caboclo or a Justin Holiday, let their playmaking ability on defense come into play in the second union, I think that also helps to keep your guards fresh between Wright, Bradley, and Conley. But the, the uh, two points that you mentioned are, are very accurate. You need to go with high-percentage shots with your best offensive players, and you also have got to be able to have three guards in the game to make your offense efficient to be able to pass and get open looks and things like that. So I completely agree with you. You're maximizing your offensive look, plus if you can use good guard rotations getting other players in the game, you're able to create turnovers. Um, In these games with this new roster, in the seven games with the new roster in place, the Grizzlies have put up 47 more shots than their opposition. They also have a plus 26 on turnovers. So those guard rotations are getting you extra possessions. And when you're one of the lowest-paced teams in the NBA, each possession becomes more critical. Therefore, if you can gain more possessions and more shots, it should help you win. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of close games right now for Memphis against these better teams. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, uh, you can't really argue with with those stats. Like uh, we've got guys, and I think a lot of that kind of correlates with the fact that Javon Carter is not playing as much uh, when it comes to the turnovers. Now, obviously, with his defense, he he kind of equals that out at times. Uh, but when when we're slower paced, which we're faster now, so it's even better that we're getting more possessions. Uh, but now we just have to start maximizing on on those possessions and um, and seeing our uh, offensive rating go up because of it. And so that's that's where we stand. You know, did, did this whole show, when I talked with Justin about it this week, it, it was the idea of being able to discuss, you know, let's really dive into how this roster um, is, is looking, you know, what the identity is that's there for this team. I think it's identified we're a better offensive team. Right now we our defense just it, – it, it's a work in progress that hopefully will come together this week to really allow for us to be able to take advantage uh, of the better offense so we can start maybe getting some surprise wins. Because when it comes down to it, you know, really looking forward to uh, the beginning of March um, with Memphis's schedule, um, they start off uh, March, they play the Mavericks, obviously, on Saturday, and then they play the Thunder and the Trailblazers and the Jazz. I mean, that's three straight games right there where if you don't get a win – I mean, it's you. You basically can kiss the convey idea goodbye. So in these few, for the rest of this week, starting today through Friday, I think a real big point for JB and his staff is to really decide: okay, what rotations, what lineups, what do we need to do to improve the communication on defense? Because if we can sit here and just take two or three points off that scoreboard with the opposition each night, 
it should really help us out. Justin, as we wrap up, do you have anything that you're looking forward to, to seeing or, or, or really looking out for at the start of uh, March? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for uh, more of Jonas being the second option on offense. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to start working on a piece, uh, doing some research on how Jonas performed as the number two option in Toronto. Now, obviously, that had to have been in games where either Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan were hurt um, because he was always third fiddle uh, for them. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of him as the number two guy on offense and, and what he can bring with that. And I agree completely. It, it, it makes no sense at all, like you said, it makes no sense at all for Jonas not to be in your top two um, shot attempters each night. He should be right there with Conley, and, and I think he hit the nail on the head. If you could feature them as you as your true scoring options going forward, that, again, is another change in your philosophy on how you do things that can really help you find a way to, even though you're the less talented team on the court, you find a way to find an advantage to be able to get the upset. And that's what we're going to have to do um, is get some upset wins to be able to convey. As always, we thank you all for listening to the 3 and D Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Always alongside uh, Justin Lewis. Thank y'all for listening in. Enjoy this week's ball games, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, Justin. You too, man.